Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Good morning. It is a joy to gather with those of you who are here electronically from some other place on the face of the planet. Good morning and welcome. It's a joy to gather with those of you who are here in the sanctuary of the Village Church in Rancho Santa Fe. We are here before a living, loving, ever-present, eternal God. We are here to worship. So let us be called together to worship as we read responsibly from these words of lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. You are all that I have, and therefore I will wait for you. It is good to wait in patience for the salvation of the Lord. Friends, let us worship God.
friends, in 2 Chronicles we read, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my voice, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. People of God, we are here in this moment humbled and in prayer, seeking the face of God and full of regret and turning away from evil. So let us come to God together in confession. Almighty God, in love you made us and the world in which we live. You sustain our lives in every moment by your redeeming power. Yet we fail to acknowledge your attention. We abuse your good gifts of creation. We focus on the little we do not have and are blind to the much that fills our lives every day. We expend our energy trying to get for ourselves rather than give for the good of others. But still, you're generous with your love and extravagant with your forgiveness. Heal us and set us free from our self-worship that we might find our true freedom in following you. And then make us again into worthy servants who work with you in healing your whole creation. In Christ we pray. Amen. Friends, God heard us, and God so loved the world that God sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him should never die, but live for all eternity. In the name of this wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, I declare to you, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Christ be with you. As we prepare to greet one another, we invite our children, fifth grade and under, to meet their Sunday school leaders in the back. And if you're in the youth group, we have a group that is going on right now so you can meet them in the youth room. And now let's turn and greet one another. As you settle in from that hard work of being nice to other people, <laughs> let me share with you some of the things happening in the life of our family here. 
First of all, as you have already been informed, we are receiving a relief offering in these days to support relief efforts in Turkey and Syria and Ukraine. If you would like to reach out in special ways in doing that, you may choose one or the other or all three of those countries. Let me encourage you to put Turkey and Syria together since our routes into Syria are into Turkey are very limited, but our route into Syria is wide open and of course our routes into Ukraine as well. So we'd encourage you to be generous. Today is Super Bowl Sunday and I'm told that later on there's also going to be a football game going on. But we are receiving gifts of cans of soup as well as financial support to help us buy food for others. If you forgot to bring your soup today, you can bring it by tomorrow or the next day. That's fine. Later this week, that will all be delivered to our appropriate mission agencies. If you forgot your money today, uh, then go straight to the bank after church and then come back and bring it right away at any rate. We are soon going to begin the season of Lent our preparation spiritually for the celebration of Easter. Ash Wednesday, the official beginning of the season, is on the 22nd of February, not far from now. We will gather here for our traditional service of renewal and repentance at 7 o'clock in the evening. Let me encourage you in saying that that is the best way to begin the season of Lent, gathered here with your church family in a time of uh, reflection, a time of celebrating the forgiving love of God. On Sunday, the 26th of February, we will have the annual meeting of the congregation, everyone's favorite meeting. It's going to be on Zoom again this year, and we'd encourage you to tune in to that Zoom so that you can vote on a couple of appropriate things, as well as to hear from yours truly, a State of the Church report. We have a special guest this morning with us from Urban Life Ministries, Jose Vallejo. Jose, would you come and share us the good word about what's going on in urban life? Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me today. I am Jose Vallejo, the Executive Director of Urban Life Ministries. And to give you a little bit of context before I get into our mission of the place we work, uh, we work in City Heights specifically. This community is a 5.8 square mile radius community with about 101,000 residents. 38% of them are foreign born and come from a lot of countries that have gone through uh, civil strife. Um, and specifically for us, we focus on the youth segment of this population. Uh, we, we are focused on developing young leaders that love God, neighbor, and neighborhood. And we do that through spiritual, physical, academic, and professional development activities. During the pandemic, this congregation in particular was one of our largest supporters as we kept programming on and we took it outdoors. We were able, during that time, serve about 50 students from Crawford High School, one of the most diverse high schools in San Diego. The student body uh, speaks over 30 registered languages and 80 dialects in one high school. So the challenges are vast. Um, during that time and through your faithfulness, we were able to get that class to graduate with a 3.7 GPA for that period of time. All the seniors went on to college, thank God. And as a result, the campus asked us to take over their 400 uh, student athlete roster and provide after school tutoring and college prep support now that everything's gone back uh, in the, into the school. And uh, yeah, we're grateful for that support. Um, God, I only have 90 seconds, so I'm trying to get it all in there. <laughs> so on the spiritual development side, we have youth group every week and a summer camp uh, where we introduce the gospel to students in that community. Some of them are Muslim, some of them are Buddhist, some of them are atheist, 
Some of them are on-the-fence Christians. Uh, but the idea is to expose them to the gospel. On the physical development front, we provide cross-country running programs throughout the year uh, for both high school and middle school students. Supply their shoes, their gear, pay for their meat so that they learn to compete. And a lot of kids start without ever having run and sometimes get to a sub-five-minute mile um, and, and, and then run competitively in college. On the academic development side, I've shared what we're doing at Crawford, now at Horace Mann Middle School and elementary school. We're working to teach them English because a lot of them don't have, they don't know English. So we're trying to get them to develop that foundation in English. Professionally, uh, we provide uh, workforce development and professional development. And now we're trying to explore what the community college track can offer in terms of certified technical education tracks. Uh, for students that want to get into technical jobs, there's a big gap in the workforce right now in that particular segment. But all that uh, we do with a very limited staff. <laughs> but we're grateful for your partnership and the resources that you guys support us with to help these young people uh, pave a way forward. So thank you. Jose, stay right here. If you'd like to hear more than the 90-second infomercial, Jose will be out at the missions table afterwards. I encourage you to stop and visit with him about this really hands-on, tangible ministry of helping folks to, uh, to learn about the love. I love that. Love God, neighbor, and neighborhood. I, that's going to be a sermon title soon, okay? Let's have a word of prayer. God, we thank you for Jose and all the folks with Urban Life, and thank you for the ways that re they are reaching out in, in tangible ways to help in include and incorporate uh, new folks who come into, uh, into our community, into our neighborhoods, into this country, so that they might experience your love and so that they might share the blessings that we enjoy from your loving heart. Bless them in all that they do and help them to know always of our support and encouragement for them, and may that be for the building up of your kingdom. In Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you, brother. You bet. Friends, we have so many opportunities to love and to share and to give and to build this world into the place that God means for it to be. We do that through our regular gifts of our tithes and offerings. And so now during this next musical offering, I encourage you to come to the baskets on either side of the chancel here and to present your tithes and offerings to our loving God.
as we prepare our hearts to go to God in prayer, I encourage you just to take a breath and just be present in the moment as we speak with God. Let's pray together. God, the mountains shook and the deafening cries of death and fear and sorrow were heard around the world. These people, Lord, these people, shaken from their sleep and driven into the cold night, and, and God, the world looked drained of color, and the music had been turned off, and there was a silent shroud of rubble covering any green that remained, and all is gray and smells of death. And we wonder how large a cup of tears must they drink how much is enough? Must their cup grow and overflow even as they drink from it and, and it becomes as deep as a well until they can't swallow anymore? And then what? Hear this prayer of lament, grieving God. Because in the blink of an eye, entire generations have been forever changed. Empty seats at the tables of entire nations will haunt the living and plague the hope givers. And you know this pain, you know this grief, oh God. On a dark Friday, the earth rumbled and darkness covered the stillness after. Even as your son cried out, it is finished. You are a God who suffers with us. You walk into the pain with us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And we are your body, O oh Christ, help us. Help us to walk the journey as you walked it for us so that we will suffer with those who weep and, and we ask you to give us the courage to follow you into their pain. Let us mourn them in their death and the death of so many dreams and the loss of so much legacy. And when our grieving is finished, O oh God, move us to find unbearable joy in the resurrection because they will rise from this unholy tomb. They will rise and re rebuild. But we know, God, that that is hope for another day because this is the day to grieve and mourn and pray and serve. We ask for that you bless those who have rushed in from every country for those who have left their own safety and comforts behind to dig and seek and repair. Because they stand in this dreadful gap for all of us, all of us who are horrified and yearning to make a difference. We pray that you would soften our hearts, O oh God, to do all the good that we can by all the means that we can in all the ways that we can, in all the places that we can, at all times that we can, to all the people that we can, as long as ever we can. And God, in this in-between time, between what has been and what will be, Pour the water of mercy on this hurting world. Pour the water of mercy again and again so that drenched we might show mercy again and again. And God, we will walk by the river of hope and you will find us there. And you, 
you will reach out your creator's hand and push the heavens back into place. And we will kneel and give thanks because you will be with us. You, who the darkness could not overcome, you will put the stars back in the sky and we will not fear the night. This is our lament, loving God. Hear us as we worship you in lifting up the prayer that your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. reading from the first letter to the Corinthians. Strive for the greater gifts, 
and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all of my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I only know in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love, these three, and the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have no doubt that in addition to football games and strange balloons flying around in the sky and Valentine's Day, that much of our attention in the last week has been given to the scenes coming from out of Turkey and Syria, scenes that are familiar to us, even as tragic as they are. I do want to let you know that our efforts at relief have already begun to make an impact, particularly in Syria. 
Strangely enough, it is the Syrian government that supports and even sometimes encourages the Christian population there, more so than in Turkey. And of course, we have many relationships with Christian churches, with institutions, with many individual Christians in Syria. There was some damage in the city of Latakia in Syria over on the coast, some damage in homes, but a great deal of damage in the city of Aleppo, all three cities there where I visited last October and my most recent trip there. The church there is supporting and encouraging families who have lost their homes, lost their loved ones. There are several hundred people now living in the school that is run by the church in Aleppo. Even though the building of the church in Aleppo was damaged, this is the new church that was built there after the old one was destroyed at the beginning of the war. So rest assured that your prayers and other forms of material support that you are giving in this special offering are already providing food and medicine and clothing and shelter and also the emotional and spiritual support that is so intangible and yet also absolutely indispensable in the healing of nations. Our minds, our eyes have been filled with visions of collapsed buildings and rescue workers and survivors, but there is one image out of all that I have seen that continues to come into my mind. Perhaps you have seen it as well. It is the photo of a middle-aged man, more or less, sitting on a pile of rubble that obviously was an apartment building. He's sitting there in a rather precarious place, but as you focus on him, you see that he's staring off into space. And as you look a little bit more closely, you realize that with his left hand, he is holding a hand that is coming forth from the wreckage there. When you read the caption underneath the photo, you learn that this father is holding the hand of his 15-year-old daughter who has been crushed with the weight of the building. That scene does not leave my mind and I don't think it ever will. You and I have to ask a question about a scene like that. Why? Why does this father sit there still holding the hand of his daughter? She's gone. Why not start searching through the rubble for more? Why not leave and go on with the business of your life? Well, there's one very, very good reason that he's still sitting there. And that reason is love. In a couple of days, we will celebrate Valentine's Day, a day that we say is all about love, especially romantic love. And that's great. That's wonderful. That's fine. I'm always interested in where things come from. 
And there is actually a little bit that we know about the origins of Valentine's Day and this celebration of love. Some of you might recall that the real name of the day is not Valentine's Day. It is Saint Valentine's Day. Anytime someone mentions saints, that gets my attention as well. It seems that in the third century, under the Roman Emperor Claudius, that marriage was banned. Claudius had discovered that when young men got married to young women, they were far less likely to be willing to enter the army and fight to maintain and to expand the empire, and so he decided it would be better for the health of the empire simply to outlaw marriage. There was a bishop in the Roman Empire, a bishop named Valentine. This bishop believed that love that leads to marriage is a good thing, that marriage is a good thing. And so he refused to honor the emperor's ban on marriage, and he kept marrying people, and it came to the attention of the emperor. And so on February 14th, 270, Claudius executed Valentine. About 200 years later, the bishop was made a saint. And the day was set aside to honor Christian marriage, to honor an institution that itself honors love. What is love? What's it all about? Is love worth dying for as Bishop Valentine believed? I know that you know that Valentine's is not merely about cupids and hearts and roses and romance and candlelight. I suspect that some of you think Valentine's is about the love of chocolate. Maybe, maybe. It's a good time, though, for people like you and me to return to one of the most famous, most often read passages from Scripture, from the first letter to the Corinthians. I think more than any other passage of Scripture, I have read that passage in Christian worship because we read it almost always in weddings. At about 12 o'clock today, not quite two hours from now, a handful of us will gather in the chapel and we'll have a wedding here and we'll read that passage again. It's a passage that's become so famous for very, very good reasons, but because it's so famous, because we sometimes spend a lot of time reading it, it's important to go back and read it again, to read it carefully, to read it within its context, to read it within its entirety so that we understand what it's talking about. Now, you'll remember that the first letter to 
the Corinthians, is addressed to a church that is having a very hard time loving itself. It's a church that's full of divisions, full of anger, full of argument. Some folks in the church are saying that they follow the teachings of Paul. Some are saying they follow the teachings of Apollo or other teachers. And Paul writes the letter so that the church perhaps will come together again and be a unified body. The church is fighting about all kinds of theological issues and questions, sociological issues and questions. The church is fighting among itself, and Paul encourages the church. These first few followers of Jesus in a very sophisticated, cosmopolitan city of the empire He's encouraging them to get past their divisions, to get past their arguments, and to stay together as a family. As he keeps writing, you begin to see the development of, of his thought as he's trying to find ways to let these first Christians know that there's nothing worth dividing over, and he hits upon this idea of a body, a human body that is full of all different kinds of pieces that do all different kinds of things, but without which you could not have a human body. You have to have all of those different parts and pieces to have a body. And that's a wonderful illustration, isn't it? Something we all can understand. We all have bodies. We all have all of those parts and pieces for the most part, even though some of those parts and pieces don't work as well as they used to with some of us. It's just the way it is. But Paul thinks of an even better way to talk about what it is that the church needs in order to get along with itself. And of course, Paul's not only interested in just the church. If the church that follows Jesus can't find a way to get along with itself, how in heaven's name is the world going to find a way to get along with itself? And so after he's written a all kinds of beautiful, intricate, powerful arguments describing all of these different ways that we should stay together, all of these different reasons that we should hang together. He says, you know what? I'm going to show you a still more excellent way. And he begins to describe divine love. Godly love. Every couple I marry when I get ready to read that passage at their wedding, I say, you know, this passage about love is not about the love between two people who are getting married, first and foremost. It's about the divine love that God has in and of himself that God teaches to all people. And by the way, it happens to work pretty well if you're going to be married to somebody. I will show you a still more excellent way. And then he dives into the argument. He says, you know what? I can speak in tongues, perhaps. Speaking in tongues is a great thing. It's a way of marshalling the mystical powers of God in order to share the gospel with folks. He says some folks can do that. Some folks have prophetic powers. They can speak God's truth to a situation. They can reveal the mysteries of theology and knowledge about God. They can quote the Bible up one side and down the other. He said that's all wonderful stuff. He said some people have mountain-moving faith. 
They can get anything done through their faith. Some people are generous. They give away everything they have. They might even give away their very own bodies. Said all that great and wonderful stuff is nothing without love. All the faith, all the hope, all the generosity, all the knowledge, all the truth, all of that is useless if it does not serve the purpose of love, if it does not come from the motivation of love, if it does not result in love. Love is the supreme thing. Love is the only thing that survives into eternity. I'm fascinated every few weeks now, it seems like we hear news of a, of a new tomb that's discovered, usually in Egypt, with a beautifully preserved body, a mummy, and all kinds of stuff there next to the body so that it's got something to have in the afterlife. And I continue to be amazed at how you and I try to hold on to things but nothing survives into the next life except for love, Paul says. Faith and hope and love abide, but these three and the greatest is love. So what is love? What is love? Is love a mushy, gushy, warm, sentimental, romantic feeling that you have for something? No. Just no. Sometimes you have that feeling and it feels really good and then it goes away. That's not love. That's infatuation. That's passion. That's feeling. But love is something else, something deeper something stronger, something so tough and resilient and powerful that it goes way beyond puppy dogs and flowers, and yes, way beyond even a five-pound box of chocolates. <laughs> Listen to these words again. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. True love is so tough that it will reach out and hold the hand of someone who is loved, who isn't there anymore. You can have faith. You can have faith all by yourself. You don't need anybody else to have faith. God can give you faith. You can have hope. Without anybody else, God can give you hope. 
but you cannot have love without someone else. I know some folks are in love with themselves. That's really what original sin is all about. Loving just yourself. Love requires someone else. We say that God is love because God is a community in some sense, Father, Son, and Spirit. The complete perfection of love that reached out in love to create others to enjoy the joy of love. That's who we are. It takes others. About 15 years ago, a movie came out starring George Clooney. Just saying that word, I know I have some of your attention now, right? George Clooney played a guy named Ryan Bingham, and Ryan Bingham's job in the world was fly around the country where companies were closing to fire people. He was an expert at sitting there with people in cubicles and saying, hi, you don't have a job here anymore. The title of the movie was Up in the Air because he spent so much of his time in airplanes going to different places so that he could fire people. But pretty soon you begin to learn that he's not just up in the air physically, he's up in the air emotionally. He's learned how not to care about anyone. One day he gets a call that he needs to be at the wedding of his niece, his sister's daughter. And sheerly out of duty, not because he wants to go, but purely out of duty, he goes to spend a weekend with the family so that he can attend the wedding of his niece. As it turns out, the groom gets cold feet. And so the groom goes to a Sunday school room in a church where they're going to have the wedding, and he locks himself in the Sunday school room. There's actually lots of good reasons to lock yourself in a Sunday school room, but we won't go there right now. For some reason, they choose Ryan to go talk to the groom and try to convince him to go through with the wedding. And so he knocks on the door and the guy finally lets him in and they're sitting there in the Sunday school room and talking about what it's like to be married and blah, 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 blah. And of course, this guy is the wrong guy to talk about love or marriage or anything else. He's the most self-centered person you'd ever meet. And finally, the groom says, well, why should I get married? And Bingham says, well, life is better with company. And he's right, isn't he? I would say that life is not only better with company, but life is only life with company. Life without company is not life. We need the company of God. We need the company of each other. And in order to be in company with each other, to be companions, to be compañeros, we have to learn how to love. Because once you've got another person in the room with you, it gets hard. Some people love themselves, I think, maybe because it's easy to love yourself, but it's not easy to love other people. Believe me, I know. I'm your pastor. (laughs) Love requires something that's really tough, something that's strong, something that's unshakable. 
It requires patience, kindness, humility, letting others have their way, no envy or boasting or rudeness. Love must bear, it must believe, it must hope, it must endure. Love will dig through the rubble no matter how long it takes to rescue and to recover. That's love. It seems that the epicenter of the two earthquakes, actually, that hit the big ones is close to the Turkish city of Antakya. I've read some reports from some folks that have been there that Antakya is mostly destroyed. You probably don't know much about Antakya. I don't know that much about Antakya, but I do know that several thousand years ago, the city of Antakya was not in Turkey. Turkey didn't exist yet. It was in the Syrian Empire. And while it was in the Syrian Empire, it wasn't called Antakya, it was called Antioch. The same Antioch where we are told in the book of the Acts of the Apostles that the people who followed Jesus were first called Christians. Isn't that fascinating? Christians are people who say they love Jesus. Christians are people who say they love each other. Christians are people who know that without God's love, without our love, expressed in real and tangible ways, like Jose spoke of a few moments ago, the world would be in deep trouble. The world is in deep trouble without this kind of love. Christians know that. Christians believe that. Christians live by loving others. If we don't, then I'll go so far as to say that we're not really Christian. Friday in my email blast, I mentioned my hero, Burt Bacharach, and the song that he wrote with Hal David, What the World Needs Now is Love. And I googled it and read some of the history of it and remembered, I had already known, that the song was written in the 1960s, a time when our nation was having a very hard time loving itself. Most of us know one or two of the lines of the song, What the World Needs Now is Love, but, but let me read the lyrics for you, because just like 1 Corinthians 13 and the fact that we need to know all of it, you need to know what all of the song says. So thank you, Hal David. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Lord, we don't need another mountain. There are mountains and hillsides enough to climb. There are oceans and rivers enough to cross, enough to last till the end of time. Lord, we don't need another meadow. There are cornfields and wheat fields enough to grow. There are sunbeams and moonbeams enough to shine. Oh, listen, Lord, if you want to know what the world needs now is love, sweet love. 
I'd never thought of that song as a prayer, but it's a prayer. It's a prayer to God, reminding God of something that I think God already knows, that the world needs more love, that love that's going to come only from God, that love that's going to come only through us if we will love the world that the Lord loves. The only question is, will we love? Amen. Friends, let's stand together and let the words in, from 1 John help us affirm our faith together. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us.
It's always a debate in my mind until the very last moment, but let's go for it. Will you join me? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.